Hello, welcome back to Dr. Introspect TV, and it's your host, Dr. Introspect, and I'm back. Today, I'm bringing to you a psychological analysis that was highly requested by the audience, and it is the Dirty John Betty Broderick story. It's highly 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 requested and it's on Netflix and as you know I if this is your first time dropping by I do psychological analysis on entertainment I like to use this medium as a way to demystify mental health concepts and of course make it less terrifying and destigmatize these issues and I often use movies, series, books sometimes and soon to come music as well. So with that being said, stay tuned. Okay, I'd like to welcome back everyone, all our oldies and goodies and if this is your first time, thank you. If you find that you like this content, do hit the subscribe button and click the notification bell below so that you're the first to know every time we drop a new video. I really missed you guys. Um, did you miss me? I hope it's mutual, but if you did, just let me know in the comments. So before I dive right in, I just want to say everything I'm going to be discussing are for informational and educational purposes only. So if you find this helpful, please don't use it to diagnose yourself or anyone. And if you find that you need to talk to someone, see a counsellor, therapist, psychologist or a life coach. I myself, I am a life coach. And uh, with that being said, let's dive right in. Now I have to say, this is a true life story, fun fact, I know. And I'm often quite apprehensive of, you know, doing deep dives on real life stories because we're talking about real life people, not just fictional characters and such. In fact, the Betty person is still in jail, still very much alive. So that's something to bear in mind. And uh, in case you're wondering, just from the caption, it's going to be one of our codependency narcissist dynamic analysis uh, per usual. I do have a codependency series uh, you can check out in the playlist section and you can, you know, see more videos of that sort if you like this kind of content. And of course, if you have other suggestions for future analysis, please avail yourself in the comments and drop something and who knows it could be the next one so today per usual I'm going to do analysis individually on each character and then I will comment on the I'm going to do analysis on each character then I'll talk about the interplay of the dynamics and then touch on some of the lessons we can walk away from in this story. So diving right in, starting off with Betty, Betty Broderick. In the story, 
we are introduced to Betty. We see this very crazy, like, woman. Hey, Wyatt. I mean, first few episodes, she is ramming her car into her ex-husband's house. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, a child could have been standing behind a door. She could have killed someone. Like, how can you do this? This woman's utterly crazy. And the way Netflix does the story and the way the title is written, Okay, so this Dirty John is a series and often there's a malignant kind of character, often narcissistic, has a victim and the victim, you know, is being abused covertly or something and they don't know and they somehow try to escape or whatever. And we often assume that John is a man, right? Dirty John is a guy. And here, the way they say Dirty John you know, Betty Broderick, you kind of think, especially from the first two episodes, perhaps, you know, Netflix is doing something here. Perhaps Betty is John. It seems like the ostensible conclusion to come to, that Betty could be John, especially when you see her acting all crazy and things, um, but she isn't. And as we proceed in the story, we see how Betty becomes the Betty that we know now. And I'm going to do some commentary on that actually. So, Betty was born into a really um, image conscious family. I'd like to believe they had some narcissistic traits of their own. And she was supposed to be the perfect child, the perfect daughter, carry herself in a certain way and play her role in a way that would fall in line with what was required from her and her family to bring the kind of image that her family wants. You'd always see them reprimanding her for having a different opinion or something. Even when a boy was calling her house, she's, they're like, oh, you know, are you going to be the kind of girl where boys call in this house? And she's like, I can't control who calls, which is which is the truth. She's not answering the phone. She's not talking to them. People can do whatever they want. You can control them, you know. And in in a way, you know, she was letting them know. But at the same time, they shut her up. They didn't let her, let her speak up have any boundaries of her own so in a way Betty's family groomed her for this life that she was going to have on later in her future she was groomed to not have opinions ideas of her own no boundaries you know basically be codependent and to live her life in a supporting role fashion where she is playing supporting roles to other people which in this case early on in her childhood was her family and that got swapped out to be her husband Dan much later in life. Betty meets Dan while she's still in I think college and her whole life planned. She had you know some dreams she wanted to teach children she loved children she wanted to go to college finish you know work all of that kind of thing and it's repeated over and over because even much later in life as she's old she's still making comments like oh there's a school down there and um i'm going to teach children i'm going to be able to teach children and stuff because that's something she really really wants to do and she then meets Dan. Alright, here comes in Dan. So in this story, 
we don't really get to see much about Dan's upbringing and what made him become the kind of person he is. But from what we see, we see someone that has a lot of grandiosity, someone he has a lot of ambition. He's very ambitious. He has grandiose um, dreams and aspirations. You know, this he covets this unusual lifestyle. You know, of 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 riches and power and things like that and of course that feeds his narcissism he's also quite insatiable you know he always wanted more and that would explain why he moved from the medicine field to law because he wanted more because he could never be satisfied he always wanted more utterly insatiable and um, he always felt like he could have his way he was very image conscious he was quite selfish he would always say success is all about how you project your image and there's probably some truth to that but there also has to be some substance behind whatever you're projecting and with people like this you'd find that there isn't really much of anything he adopted things that were only going to serve him and serve his ambitions you know we could see that with how he finally let us know much later that he didn't really care about religion and i'm not saying that people that are irreligious are narcissists or are like this however he makes us know that the only reason he did whatever it was with regards to that was because you know it served him you know he needed to lock down this woman betty and he needed to keep the charade of the marriage going so he played the part of a devout catholic even though he didn't really care about such values he was also quite machiavellian he would use people to achieve his goals and he was quite power hungry we saw that after doing this medicine thing you know he switches and goes to law where he felt like he could even have more power where he decides that he's going to be going after doctors for malpractice so he's basically like the police of the medical doctors profession you know it's not enough that he's a doctor himself he has to go and get that legal thing and we saw that he didn't only go into this law field he rose up onto the level of becoming the president of some bar association or something he really rose high up and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with having this kind of ambitions it's good there's nothing wrong with that it's just that the kind of motivations that drives narcissism and the kind of people that you know how narcissism works with this kind of things the intentions are often different and oftentimes they're using this power to feel your desires obviously now that he is having this role in the bar association no one is going to step on his toes he has all this power it's not because he's using it for some good or something like that you know so with him those are the kind of things you see going on and even the first time she met him the way he signed his name you know about to be doctor or something like that you know Dan Broderick ABD you can already see that level of grandiosity you know and you need to be able to distinguish between that and confidence like genuine confidence not quite the same he also had self-esteem issues he 
felt some kind of way about any time Betty spoke about how far they had come and now look at the life they're having. You know, and that that just goes to show you that even though even though he has all these riches and has all these things, his humble beginnings he's insecure about that. He doesn't want it out there. He doesn't even want them talking about it privately. Cuz at first I thought maybe he just doesn't want people to know that, you know, he had to struggle to get to where he is today. But even when they're just together alone like at the beach or somewhere she's like, "Oh god, look at this life we have. So grateful, so thankful. We finally get to do this." He's irritated. He's saying, "Don't make that kind of statement near me. I don't want to hear it again. Don't keep reminding me about how ugly it was." It's like, "Wow, after all this success, you are still insecure." And that's something about narcissists. People don't know they project this exterior of superiority um that is actually hiding this little child inside that feels like they're not enough, they're not worthy, and they don't want anyone to know their story. They don't even want to be reminded about it cuz they constantly feel inadequate. So that is about this Dan character. Now Dan and Broderick come together and you have that perfect that perfect tragically perfect actually codependent and narcissism dynamic that you often hear about they attract each other and they come together and they just click and in the relationship early on in the beginning there were several red flags one of them being for example Dan would always show up late to their dates. And there was even a time he came and he said, "Oh, I was so scared. I thought you would have gone. I I didn't know. I didn't think you'd be here." And she's like, "Oh, yeah. I I, I almost left and stuff. But why did Betty keep showing up to those dates? You know, that's like her dependency. A person that values themselves enough and has self-esteem would realize would realize that this person doesn't value me or value my time and I should probably spend my time elsewhere probably seeing other people or doing things for myself that I enjoy and I believe that by him doing that he was testing her and grooming her people like this do things like this I want to believe Betty's not the first woman that he's done something like this to he wants to test you to see how much you can take and this is how they test out the kind of women that they know would be good for the abuse that they know would be good for their plan and we could see with this guy with his narcissism and his Machiavellian selfish agenda he was essentially looking for someone that would come in and play that supporting role and uh, fulfill the things he needs in his own grandiose plan and once they have done that for him and he has reached the level that he wants to reach he will just chew them up and cast them out like a used up chewing gum or something another red flag was how he kept on insisting on proposing marriage to her despite the fact that she had already let him know that marriage was something she wanted to do after she graduated from college the fact that he keeps pressuring her in this it lets it it should let someone know with self esteem that he doesn't respect you you know he's not respecting your boundaries and you're hearing this and this is actually a form of coercive 
manipulation. And you're probably wondering, how is this coercion? He didn't force her. There was no physical violence. But he wore her down. Some of you have gotten into relationships with people you probably didn't even like. You didn't find them attractive. You didn't find you didn't have chemistry with them. You didn't like them as people, but they kept asking you out over and over and over, and you just thought, oh well, well he's consistent, so ah, uh, it won't hurt to try. And that's how some of you got hooked on your own narcissistic situation. So I just want you to know it's a red flag. It doesn't even have to be a proposal like marriage. It could just be date you told him, or it could be you and a guy hanging out and they keep begging you to have sex with them in their house after you've said no the first time. No is a complete sentence, and you don't have to keep repeating the no. The first time you said it should have been enough, and he would get on the floor and make a face and put on this dramatic thing. If Betty knew, perhaps she didn't know, she wasn't in touch with herself enough, you know, that codependency, it kind of disconnects you from the self, so she can tell that this person is not respecting me. He wants to go on and become a doctor and have all these dreams. Why can he allow her to have her own, your own dreams and are valuable enough? Marry me. And that was really problematic. In the dynamic as well, He sold her these future-faking tales of how wonderful their life would be together in the future. He's going to open a practice, a medical practice is going to be both of their own and it's going to be great and wonderful. But they were all lies. He was just basically breadcrumbing her, giving her just enough affection so that she can hang on and continue to play that role to make his dreams happen. And this kind of thing happens quite often and it makes sense law school is ex- law school is expensive medical school even more and more time consuming and sometimes someone can't do it alone he didn't come from a rich family he didn't have that there was no way he could have done it by himself survived and gone at the same time without support he got someone deceived them with the idea of love and family so that they could do all of that while he went. And I'm not saying that if you're in this situation, you have your spouse, you know, in medical school, in some professional thing, and you think that um, this will happen to you. Not necessarily. You know, healthy couples, they make plans together, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that with narcissists, the plans are not for the both of you. It's just for, you, for them and them alone. Something else that you need to pay attention to was their wedding night. I don't know how else they could have depicted the narcissism in that moment. And I think they did that so well. And I'm not saying that people that have sex with the lights off are narcissists. But you have to think of the context here. A lot of the things I'll be discussing in this analysis, you need to hone in on the context. He turns off the light on their wedding night. And from what we could see, it was just him pleasuring himself. Now, the narcissists are actually really good in bed. They're excellent in bed. But again, it's for their own gratification. It makes them feel good to know that they have this power over your body to make you feel these things. It's about them. It's not about you. 
So it's either you have that or they just come in and they just pleasure themselves. Essentially, your body is just a masturbation tool. And it was quite tragic that he couldn't even be bothered enough to look at her in her eyes. See her face. Okay, just see the face of the person you're doing this to. Turns up the light and that's it. If this woman was a person that actually had self-esteem and her codependency wasn't getting in the way, she could have had a conversation the next morning and talked about her needs and how she felt like they were neglected and how she would not want to have that kind of experience. And if it was a situation, whatever happened, if he said he's going to divorce her because she actually wants to participate in sex and be treated like a human being, then she could have walked away there and then. But again, she was silent to that. Another thing you have to pay attention to was how he set the stage. You know, we don't really see a lot about how they were while they were dating. It seemed like he was a perfect boyfriend. Maybe a bait and switch happened, or maybe it didn't. But that day, when she says they should get room service to come and like tidy up the bed, he says no. I mean, it was paid for. He said he told them that they wouldn't be needing it because she's there. Now. I know you'll be thinking, what's wrong with taking care of your man? What's wrong with making the bed? It's no big deal. Again, I said, context is key. This is the wedding night. Essentially, he is setting the tone and setting the stage for what is to come in their marriage. And of course, as you watch the entire show, you found out that a whole lot more of this was to come this was just the tip of the iceberg he was essentially telling her she is not worthy of being pampered she's not worthy of enjoying and kicking back and relaxing even on her wedding day she doesn't deserve that and to make matters worse he is also showing her that she is beneath him why do i have to make the bed why do i have to sleep in a bed when i have you you're my maid you're going to do it And this was what went on in their marriage because she would do all his laundry, do all his clothes and it didn't make sense, you know, it didn't make sense. Not because there's something wrong with doing your husband's laundry but she was obviously carrying more load than she could carry. She was working several jobs, almost five at a point and still carrying babies because she was almost pregnant all the time and I'm going to get to that soon and she was still taking care of him with narcissists you're going to find yourself carrying all the burden and it's not just the burden of your relationship or your marriage the emotional burden it's the physical burden as well you're going to be working and still be doing everything it's basically like marrying a child so she has her children and then has him Now to the point of the babies. Betty was almost always pregnant. Almost always pregnant. And you wonder to yourself. You see it happen often in abusive situations. Both emotional and especially physical. Why are these women always pregnant? I think it's part of the plan of the abuser. To leave you in a condition where where you are handicapped. Okay, and I'm not saying pregnancy is a handicap, okay? But when you are constantly pregnant, it kind of puts you in a vulnerable situation. If you're a pregnant woman and you relate to this, please say something in the comments. You are thinking 
about your baby bringing this baby into the world healthy and then if you have kids as well you still have to deal with that and of course she was working babies kids all of that and she has to juggle all of that there's no way you can sit sit back and start thinking about how you're going to plan your escape or to connect to yourself to even realize that this is not okay and it was his plan to constantly keep her pregnant and too heavy to run away or escape and occupied to be taking care of children and taking care of him because anytime she would have just a little bit of a break and then you know life is beautiful and she's thinking about okay maybe I can go back to school now she finds out she's pregnant again so she can't focus on her own life as long as she's busy being pregnant and taking care of him there were other ways of manipulation here that Dan did in this story and you know with Dan Dan's Dan's character is so gentle soft-spoken you see him especially in the first few episodes you just feel like oh poor guy how did you marry this crazy woman but with Dan his abuse was very very subtle covert very hidden only the person receiving it can see there are no physical bruises on her body he never hit her one time but the manipulation was so slow and insidious and eating away at her subconscious high identity her brain everything Dan set her up he essentially sabotaged her dreams and he did this for example by ensuring that she got pregnant very quickly as soon as they got married so she won't be able to keep the teaching job that she was keeping and then the antacids that he's supposed to buy for her so she can you know feel better and be able to do the work there because she was having horrible horrendous heartburns he would intentionally forget to buy it such that they would either have to go to get it and then she'd arrive late for work and then you know probably get fired or something essentially at a point she just had to resign cuz like there was no other way and betty being the codependent that she is you know she's very quick to raise her hand and say you know what it's okay i'll do it you know what it's okay don't worry i'll i'll take i'll take it i'll take the burden i'll carry it for us he did that cuz he's not going to come out and say get fired or he's not going to come out and say or resign your job no no then he's going to be the bad guy well he's going to go through the corners and do other things to sabotage it and then you throw in the towel and you quit he makes it seem like it's your idea but he has done other things hitting to get you to that point there are other forms of manipulation that we saw again i think i had spoken earlier about him and his image and how he bought three different medical coats lab coats to wear meanwhile they were struggling in bills for rent at a point in time there was a time where she wasn't even taking showers every day just so that 
she could take care of her babies and he wasn't there there was actually a miscarriage that she had and he wasn't present for because he was never there she had to do everything alone by herself make all the sacrifices and there was no money to buy baby clothes she had to ask her mum to send over the baby clothes that she had as a baby and he took their money and bought three lab coats for himself not one not two three how can you say you're a loving father and your child has no clothes to wear and you buy expensive ones because again he said image is everything he has to look a certain way he says oh i bought extra ones in case one gets stained you know but it probably wouldn't get stained because like you're so good at cleaning it so reminding her again her role your role is to tend to my clothes you know you're my maid And that's all you're good for. He doesn't recognize her as anything. You bring babies for me into this world and you're my maid. And that's it. There was no emotional connection, nothing. And he would breadcrumb her, give her just enough, just a little, so that she hangs on to something and feels like she has something. And the level of you know manipulation of course he was image conscious he would tell his colleagues you know at school or work or whatever that you know he can't hang out with them at night can socialize because he has to go home and you know be with his family essentially creating this image of him being a family man when in reality he comes home and he's just by the table supposedly studying or whatever it is he's doing no attention to the family none whatsoever so he continues to manipulate um betty stringing her along making promises and just when betty is thinking that okay finally you know he's graduating from medical school things are going to be better now he comes back and tells her he wants to go to law school now he has gotten in and she should just hang on it's going to be better he's going to have more money all of that and betty being the codependence that she is she signs up again because i mean she feels it's her husband she loves him right and he made promises that it's going to be better that he's going to be more present but again that was just more future faking now the insidiousness of dan's character really really starts after she has played her role after he has accomplished everything he wants to accomplish he has set up his practice you know and they are finally doing well this is the time for her to finally reap the rewards and then he starts his affair with the lady in his office and of course this is where the gaslighting starts this is where he actually takes her brain and scrambles it and it was at this point that betty wasn't betty anymore this was where betty's mental state began to significantly deteriorate now of course throughout this marriage you know her self-esteem had been eroded her identity and everything had been slowly chipped and eaten away but with the affair he starts gaslighting her tells her she's crazy she's imagining things and there's nothing worse than playing with someone's psyche like that it's actually i would say it's an unforgivable offense someone does that to you think twice about taking them back because you could have gone crazy you could have been a betty and he makes her think she's crazy how she finds out about her of course is 
overhearing a, com- a comment he makes where he says that woman is so beautiful, and she's wondering what woman because he doesn't compliment her. In fact, the closest thing to a compliment we ever saw him give her. Was when he commented on the food she made, and he was like, "Oh, whatever you did to those potatoes was good." That's it. And a person with good self-esteem would not hang on that long. You're not going to be in, in a in a marriage or relationship that feels like an emotional starvation diet, to the point that you're grasping at straws. That that you would take something like that comment and hold onto it for your dear life, because that's the best you're gonna get. They're gonna. They're not gonna tell you. I love you. You're beautiful. You mean so much to me. Words of affirmation will never happen. This is what you have to hold on to. As Betty starts to notice before even the affair that there is distance, she pushes for counseling at the church retreat. And I want you to pay attention and probably think back to her reaction as she was insisting that they had to go on this retreat, and you know. Disconnect in your relationship. You will be wondering what healthy person fights this much. She, she she's making the statement, and there is a lot of force in the words coming out of her mouth, almost like she's insisting and pushing really hard. A healthy person that is okay and secure would just come up with it as a suggestion, but she was pushing really hard, and I liken it to someone trying to speak up in a room. Where everyone is talking over each other, and they're trying to speak up, and they just yell and scream because they want to be heard. And that's what happens when you have someone like Betty that has never been heard—not in her fam, not in her family of origin, not by parents, not by her husband. She just feels like she's been going along with something, and now she's clinging onto a marriage for her dear life. And she's like, we have to go, and and then he agrees, and she was quite surprised because I think she was probably expecting him to say no, and that's why she had to push so hard. Probably because anything she probably wants to do, he says no to, and he said okay. And you're probably thinking Dan is such a sweet guy; he agrees to go to counseling. However, we soon find out that he just uses this as an opportunity to emotionally abuse her further. You know they they have this exercise. You know they tell them to do exercises, write things, think about things, and she's out here pouring out her heart, talking about how she loves him, reassuring him, how she's not leaving. She just wants things to be better. Blah blah blah. She's he's the only man she's ever loved. Blah blah blah, and he just uses the opportunity to tear down her character, all the things that are wrong with her, and I was just like, wow. How low? And then towards the end, you know, he makes it seem like he wants to change because he still needed her for some plans. He there were still things that he needed to execute in his plan. So he pretends like, oh yes, things are changing, and he feigns vulnerability by talking about certain aspects about his life, how he feels. Like he's not enough, and he has to do more, and how he spends more time at work, and you know he's going to do better and stuff. Of course, those are lies. You know, it's just more future faking to just keep her hanging on by the thread so he can fulfill his plans. And of course, by the time this affair thing is happening,、um, he is le- working with his colleagues and he's 
learning all the tricks and everything he can do to keep all the money. And of course, he's a lawyer, so he knows everything. He knows how it should be done, so he can set her up and basically not just steal from her, but steal from the government as well and win in the end. Because in the end, with these people, is always about their own goals. And they use people to achieve them. And that's the absence of and lack of empathy. You see a lot of the lack of empathy with him. I'm not going to dwell too much on all the ways he gaslighted her and how ugly it played out. And of course, this story did a good job with walking us through this and explaining it. Because there were scenes where a psychologist was in trial. Because Betty was eventually on trial for murder. For the murder of... Dan and his fiancée, the woman he had an affair with, and, you know, you see how it messes with someone's psyche so much to the point that they snap, essentially. Another thing with the manipulation was um, the scene, there was a time when Betty got pregnant, and the doctor that was supposed to do the delivery insisted that she was going to do a C-section, and that was the only way. And I was wondering, why was the doctor insisting so much? It was almost like he was frightful, like he was scared, like something would happen if he didn't get Betty to agree or if he didn't do it that way. And I believe, they didn't tell us in the story, but I believe that Dan was behind it. Dan had already assumed power to the level where he could influence, probably coming at the guy with a possible lawsuit if he doesn't do this. And I think it was because... He wanted her to be on the bedside for longer. Now, people that got delivered through C-sections, because it's basically an operation, they need a longer time to heal than a regular delivery. And so that was why he did that. You know, and of course, after that, she said that she wanted to tie her tubes because she didn't want to keep getting pregnant. And she was trying to have that conversation with him. Like so they can start the next chapter of their lives and they already have enough kids and he had this non-challenged attitude to the conversation like he didn't care like he wasn't present like he wasn't listening and i can imagine that's probably how he is anytime she tries to state a need or something and it wasn't long after that that he really started treating her with disregard because now she's of no use to him children anymore he can't use the child thing her being pregnant to control her anymore so you know what's the point and I was really surprised when she said we've always been having sex without without protection and I thought to myself OMG he is a doctor who else would know about the effective ways of contraception for him and it just it just lets you know that it was part of his plan of course i'm going to talk about betty's role in all of this much later but for now i just want to really dwell on the manipulation so like i said as the divorce process continues that's where we see how really evil dan is he sends her and the children on a trip and you're thinking, oh, how sweet. She runs her car into his house. He rewards her with a trip. But unbeknownst to her, 
rest of the people, he is accelerating his legal process to get all the money and get everything. And of course, he's, he uses his medical profession to insist that she gets evaluated. Who knows, probably bribing the psychologist to claim that she has mental health problems and he uses this as the basis to take the children away from her that was more manipulation and of course the entire time he is feeding the children poisoning their minds about their mom now a healthy parent does not do this no matter how toxic the other parent is you don't have these kind of adult talk the children so he would poison their minds about their mom and often project his own negative traits on the mom make statements like she likes to have her way she's like this she's like that and the children start to believe it he intentionally puts her on a stipend that he knows will not be enough for her to afford a lawyer and then, of course, at this time, he has risen to being the president of some bar association. So he has a lot of power. No one wants to step on his toes. So even if she could find a cheaper lawyer that is probably young, they are not going to want to work with her so they don't risk their own career. He had that much power. He made it so and it looks so gentle you're like he's not doing anything he speaks so nicely he's kind and he would set up motions secretly and postpone court dates or do things so that betty will always not be in court now if you're on the outside looking at this you're the judge you're wondering to yourself this is a woman that claims she loves her children why is she not showing up to court why is she not again all part of the manipulation and subtle abuse and one of the most effective things was the voice machine thing now this was where he set a trap for her baited her and betty kept taking the bait essentially he knew her buttons he has known this woman for years he knew the buttons to press and he would press it knowing full well she would react and she always kept giving him the reaction he needed to solidify his case to make her look horrible in society and everywhere so now you have heard about everything that was basically done to betty and i've given you a good picture and analyzed it further about how she was victimized in this story I'm going to have to ask you, do you think that Dan deserved to die, him and his fiancée? Do you think they deserve to die? With everything you know, do you think that it was worth her killing both of them? But more so him, especially him. So let me know your thoughts. Of course, I know people might disagree or agree. Let me know in the comments. Keep it civil per usual. Respect other people's views. But definitely share your own thoughts and opinions in the comments section. And I will revisit this question in the end. But for now I want to look at Betty. With everything that's happened so far, I have to say this is one of those situations where codependency gets really, really ugly. From the beginning... You can say that 
regardless of everything that has happened, Betty had a choice. Now, before I detail this, I would like to say you are not responsible for being abused. Okay, I have commented on abuse a number of times and I've made different analysis on both psychological and physical abuse and no one deserves to be abused. No one causes abuse to happen to them. You cannot control someone into not abusing you. You cannot love someone into stopping abusing you. However, you can remove yourself from the situation. And I'm not saying removing yourself will always be easy. But sometimes, a lot of times, you can walk away. You can choose not to respond. You can choose not to react. You have no control over whether someone abuses you or not. But you have control over how you show up and how you choose to respond. By making the statement, I take you back to the scene. One of the pivotal scenes in this story. The ending, she's in the jail cell and she's thinking about how different her life could have been if she made different choices. If she, you know, didn't fight with him about the affair. If she probably just agreed. And I'm not saying that just by her making different choices, deciding not to fight with him, it wouldn't mean that he still wouldn't be ugly. Because in this story, you can clearly see that Dan enjoyed inflicting pain on this woman and it made no sense and it just goes to show the level of sadism the sadistic supply he enjoyed from torturing this woman this is a man that had risen to a very high status he had so much money he could have given her half he didn't even have to she wasn't asking for half of it even though she was entitled to it he could have just made it easy gone on with his new life he has a new girl she's young she's hot they can start their new family but he enjoyed inflicting pain and by the time this court case was done she was owing him over 700 and something thousand dollars and i'm thinking how is she supposed to pay that without income at that age and of course remember he created a lie that she was a child molester so what school is she going to be able to work at she's never going to be able to work at a school with that record that was a lie he spread that rumor he created it just to keep her away from having happiness anything that he felt mattered to her he took away that's a sadism so there is no guarantee that when he said he wanted a divorce or when she found out he was having an affair, she could have on her own filed for the divorce and left instead of waiting for him to pull his games. She could have just left at that point and maybe he would have made it horrible and complicated, but she could still choose how she wants to respond at each point. She could have chosen not to ram her car into it and into his house. And I know that we were shown all the things that led to her driving that car in. This is someone that has never been allowed to be angry. That she has to be the perfect wife, perfect lady, perfect 
you shouldn't have a negative emotion and she has all these things happening and she just felt for once she wanted to let out that rage let out that anger that righteous anger and it was righteous anger and it was justified okay if you're someone that has been abused by someone someone that has been psychologically manipulated by someone and you are just waking up and finding out that this is what someone did to you they took advantage of you in this way there will be this all-consuming anger and you are right to feel that way however you have to choose how you want to take it out okay and this is where i'm getting to the lessons that we're taking away from this you have every right to feel that anger and that emotion is completely valid however you need to choose a constructive way to take it out talk to someone and she did a lot of talking to her friends and such a therapist but we can see in Betty's unique situation she was too fearful of seeing a therapist because she was scared that the records would be subpoenaed and used against her or Dan could go behind and threaten set therapist and get information or tell the therapist to put her on the medication or claim something that could make it harder for her to get her children so I can understand why she felt like there were no resources for her to use but you know what was tragic even when she was finally able to start getting herself together she was starting to do better just before the incident she was journaling she was writing down in that book and that book got stolen by the fiance as a payback for her stealing her wedding list or something and the wet the fiance and dan were reading and laughing at her misery like they couldn't even just give her that privacy of that space to just let out that thing the only space she could let things out in that book and that's probably also why she kept on calling his phone because she needed to let it out somehow and there was no way there was no outlet there was nothing and then there was also the lack of support from her parents and i still feel despite everything and i'm sure any of you here in this or any of you that have watched this story you probably feel she would have been better off leaving him at any point even at as bad as it was when she couldn't shower cuz there was no water cuz she was giving him all the money even at that point she would have been better off and i know you're thinking let's take into consideration the timing at that time being a divorcee was like taboo right image horrible parents will probably disown her there is no community support you know all of those things and she would have left without a penny and she would have had to raise the children by herself but think about it was she not already doing that was she not already raising them by herself and in addition the guy the grown adult child that was her narcissistic husband and you know she put him on this pedestal like he's so brilliant he's so smart but she was brilliant too she could have gone to college and done things and you know when narcissists come into a relationship they make themselves look like 
I am so great, I'm so smart, I got into Harvard, me, so it's all about me. Maybe she wasn't Harvard, whatever, but she was, she had her own skills. She was great at design, she could have started her own company. But when you're in a dynamic with a narcissist, or people with this kind of character traits, you will never see yourself shine especially when you're codependent. They will never let it happen. Her codependency set her up for this and it blinded her to the power of choice that she had. All the times he baited her using his voice machine, she didn't have to respond to the bait. And her child actually actually commented on this and it was quite heartbreaking in that moment when he said, why do you have to keep doing this? We don't like it here. We want to come and see you. And I know the husband manipulated the child into saying those things. Saying all those things to her. And many of them were false. That you always want to have your way. You don't listen. But there was something he said that was true. She didn't have to do it. And I know she felt like she had to do it because she didn't want this guy feeling like he could control her. And he could control her reactions. Well, you can't control the other person and maybe she also felt that she could force him into finally giving her what she wants but you're not dealing with a normal person you don't, you're dealing with a narcissist and you, you shouldn't even be thinking about controlling another person your person you can control is yourself and so if we could go back I would say Betty could have decided not to go on a second date. Betty could have called it off with him when she found that he was always showing up late. Betty could have called it off and said she wants to take a step back when he kept on insisting on proposing to her despite her telling him she wanted to finish school. Betty could have spoken up about how horrible the sex on their wedding night was and how she did not sign up for that how she has needs that were valid and she had a right to speak up for them being met but it could have insisted that she didn't want to keep having children much sooner and that she wanted to go back to school Betty didn't have to keep on having sex with a man that did not respect her body enough to a doctor for that matter to use contraception Betty could have respected her own body even if the person she's laying with didn't want to respect it Betty self-abandoned she abandoned herself and she paid for it and it created this level of helplessness where it feels like there's nothing she can do and that's why she was doing all these crazy things because she just wanted to feel like there's something her choice like she can control something he can't control me calling his house but he was controlling almost to the point like it was the air she was breathing Dan chooses their wedding day as the wedding day for his new wedding with his fiance. Of all the other days he could have chosen, just to drag that knife even deeper. 
the sadism with him. And like I said, it's that kind of covert abuse where she is the only one that is feeling this pain and knows how ugly it is. Nobody else. You're the only one in the room that feels it. And that takes me back to the question I asked initially. Did Dan deserve to die? Now, at the point that she was when she decided to kill him, she probably felt like, what else does she have to lose? Everything had failed her. Every system, the legal, everything had failed her. I have to say, in regular abuse situations of like physical violence, when someone, when you kill the person as a form of self-defense because they were trying to kill you, it's recognized. You know, they were trying to kill you and you kill them in that moment. It's recognized. And this was what happened in Dirty John, the struggle between John and the victim. However, there are stories where women are in physically abusive situations and this person has been abusing them time after time and one day they killed the person. Now, it it wasn't a form of self-defense, but in a way it seems like a form of self-defense because that was the only way they felt they could make it stop because abuse would have continued. The legal system had failed them. There's no support in community, nothing. Completely isolated. And there are people that are in jail right now because they killed someone that was physically abusing them. But in this context... We have emotional abuse. We have psychological violence. There are no scars on Betty's body. He never hit her for one day. But the damage he did was far worse. At this point, Betty believed it would never stop. And I don't think it would have. I think it would have continued. He would have found more ways to torment her. And she decided she just had to kill him to make it stop. It wasn't the story of a jealous woman that got angry and just killed her scorn, you know, scorned woman killed her lover. It's very easy to come to that conclusion. But this is a woman that felt that the abuse would not stop until she killed him. He had taken everything from her and she was still supposed to pay him over $700,000. But every day he's finding new ways to cause her pain but you have to wonder at what cost because now those boys that she was fighting so hard to get back and be around for she couldn't be around for them because she had to go to prison so with that there are some core lessons here and it's quite a tragic story but I think the biggest lesson here is to love yourself I like to say when you love yourself, there are certain things you just will not allow to happen in your life. There are certain things you just cannot tolerate because you love yourself. You love yourself too much to let someone treat you like that. Early on, before it even gets bad and ugly, from the very first date. So if you're watching this and you find yourself in Betty... You find yourself in the Betty of her childhood or 
off before marrying Ben or right now you're actually married to an abusive man that has you living the life that Betty was living struggling for him denying yourself your needs and you're wasting away your identity is being chipped away see this as a wake-up call because anyone could be Betty and this is a true life story it's not fiction so get help talk to a therapist a coach whoever supports start working on those core wounds and I know stories like this can create a fear of love of intimacy of bonding with people because there are people like Dan out there but I don't say this for you to be scared I'm not analyzing this character for you to be afraid of all the other malignant narcissists out there because they'll always be out there they're not 50% of the population you might meet them you might date them but you wouldn't marry them don't marry them I want to thank all the people that recommended this and I hope that you enjoyed it and I can't wait to hear your thoughts in the comment section I know this is quite the topic it stirs a lot of emotions and people have different feelings towards it so definitely share with us in the comments and if you have other recommendations leave them in the comments for the future and so at this point I come to the end it's a really long one really long video but I believe the value is huge so until next time I love you love yourselves too bye